0: Good morning to East Bay Calvary Church family. Welcome to our online worship experience. Now, obviously, this is a lot different than what you're used to, us as well. And we're going to do as best as we can to get through it. There's something that we want you to do right now and throughout the whole message that you've never done before in our service time. And that is, since you're connected with us, take the opportunity, click on a wave emoji or a heart emoji. We're gonna be interacting with you throughout this whole online experience time. So please let us know you are here and let's connect throughout the whole online experience this morning. I wanted to say a few things in our welcome time today to make sure that we are connected and thinking about the future through these next few weeks together. Uh, Number one, don't just connect with us on Sunday. But we're gonna have online experiences for you even through the next few weeks as we deal with COVID-19 together as a church family and a community. We're gonna have some routine devotionals and Bible times together. We are partnering with another local ministry on a together project, a one side project that deals with the the 10 lessons we're learning from the coronavirus, COVID-19. So keep with us online for those experiences together. Keep with each other. Outside of our church facility, we're still the church. Keep with each other. Keep up with your neighbors. Let's keep caring for our community. I don't think that there's any real shock to us that this whole thing has happened when we are right in the middle of our series on anxiety, anxious for nothing. And I really think it's a good reminder for us. Let's not get wrapped up in what's going on in our world, but let's get wrapped up in confidence in God and what he does for us. And so before Pastor Rice works through his message with us this morning in Philippians 4, I just want to read for you a special psalm. It's Psalm 131. Listen to the words here. It says, My heart is not proud, O Lord, My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. East Bay family, let's be anxious for nothing. Let's put our confidence in Jesus Christ. Let's continue to worship worship Jesus together, and let's be the
1: church. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you.
2: Well, it's a privilege for me to be able to open God's Word uh, for us today. The, uh, the title of the, the message I'm going to share is, is entitled, Finding Peace in, in an Anxious World. You know, it's, it's amazing to me the providence of, of God. Our pastoral staff decided uh, to do this very specific sermon series on anxiety uh, a couple of months ago. We had no idea what all was going to be happening in our world uh, right now. The passage in, in Philippians chapter 4 was, was one that we had selected for me to, uh, to share uh, and uh, two months ago as well, and uh, so it's neat to, just to see the way God's worked all that out. You know, we know that we live in, in, a, in a culture that, generally speaking, is anxious, and this is certainly true of our, of our teenage generation. You know, it, it's been said that the average teenager today walks around with an anxiety level that in the 1950s would have been considered a mental disorder. But with all the things that, that have been going on lately, our, our, cult, our culture is more anxious than ever. You know, I, I could ask you the question, what is it that's making you anxious? You know, probably the spread of the con- con- um, uh, coronavirus is one of them. But maybe it's the decline of the, of the stock market. Maybe it's uh, politics. You know, who's going to be elected the next president? Um, maybe it's that you don't have enough toilet paper. I'm not sure what the deal with that is. But, but uh, you know, or maybe it's not the things immediately right now, but maybe it's some of the things that have been going on in your life over the last few months. Uh, you know, maybe it's your health. Um, maybe it's the well-being of your kids. Uh, maybe it's being accepted or approved by, by others, or, or, or maybe you're single and, and, and you're anxious about trying to find a spouse, or, or maybe it's your marriage. Um, maybe it's that you're, you're afraid you're going to disappoint a loved one, or, or maybe it's just knowing, knowing that God's pleased with you. Um, we are definitely an anxious culture, you know, and, and I, don't, I don't believe that's true just because we have more to be concerned about today than maybe previous generations. But, but I would suggest, I think maybe it's because we aren't as equipped to deal with our worries and fears as maybe in the past. and And so, I hope that that we can we can be an encouragement today as we look at God's word. You know, proverbs twelve twenty five says, "An anxious heart weighs down a man." I, I enjoy backpacking. and um, a, a number of years ago, I went backpacking with a group of guys, and every time we would take a break, one of the, some of the guys would slip some, some rocks in this guy's pack. Now, it was never enough that he could tell, but, uh, but every time we would stop, it would be a little bit more. So, so by the end of the hike, this guy was really, really struggling. He was really getting tired. I mean, just imagine at the end of the day when he takes off his backpack and he realizes all those unnecessary burdens, those unnecessary rocks that were in his backpack. You know, my, my guess is that, that some of you may have been filling up your backpacks with, with, with burdens that, that you've been carrying around for a long time, and, and you're tired. And, and so I hope that we can find some rest and we can talk about how we can unload those burdens. So what we're going to do today is we're going to take a look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 9. And if you have that your Bible and you want to turn there, that'd be great. Uh, we're going to see what we can learn to help us to deal with our anxiety. And so, so with God's help, I trust that, that uh, this will be an encouragement with you today. Let's, let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have, even through the the electronic means, to to be able to open your word and to share the truth from it. Lord, I pray that this would would be an encouragement. Lord, that you would use it. Lord, we thank you that your word stands true over the test of time. And and Father, I pray that that you would just help me to share with clarity. Lord, I pray that you would give us understanding. Lord, allow your Holy Spirit to take your words and and use it to minister to our souls. We, We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as I start out, I just want to start by saying a couple of things, first of all. Uh, first of all, when we talk about emotions, emotions like anxiety, you know, this is often, they're often very complex. And, and so I want to be careful that I don't oversimplify things. You know, our bodies and our souls are, are integrated. And, and so what happens in the one affects the other. And so uh, the, the message that I'm going to be sharing today primarily is going to be focusing on the spiritual roots that cause anxiety. But you may have other factors that, that go into that as well that contribute to anxiety. You know, for example, I, one of my brothers says that when he drinks too much coffee, he often experiences feelings of anxiety. Uh, secondly, for our, our discussion today, I'm going to be, be using uh, the words anxiety and worry interchangeably. You know, in, in the Bible, the word for worry is also translated as anxious, as, as anxiety, and, and for care. And, and then, as we proceed on, I, I just want to give some definitions of terms so, so that we're clear as to what we're talking about and what we mean and what we don't mean. Uh, the first word is the word concern. Uh, a definition of concern is a legitimate emotion which helps us to focus on a problem. You know, we should have proper care and concern that causes us to attend to business in a responsible way. Matter of fact, in, in, in 2 Corinthians um, 11 28, Paul says that he faces daily the pressure of his concern for the churches, these churches that he's planted. This is a proper concern. He, he cares. He cares about the church, and that's a good thing. Also, when we talk about concern, um, planning that acknowledges God's sovereignty is, is, is not worry. That's a good thing. Um, so that's concern. The, the, the next word is fear. So fear is a feeling of anxiety and, and agitation caused by the presence of or the nearness of, of danger could also be evil or pain or things like that. Fear is a warning system that's built into our bodies as a natural reaction to danger. There are legitimate reasons for us to fear that are not sinful. But when fear goes beyond real danger and lingers in our minds, then it can become anxiety and worry. And then the, the third term that I want to define then for us this morning, which we're going to spend our time talking about, and that's worry or anxiety. This is an excessive concern about the future and about earthly circumstances that distract you from God and from fulfilling current biblical responsibilities. The word in the Bible literally means having a divided mind. Some of you remember the story of, of Mary and Martha, how the Jesus came to, to their house. And, and in Luke chapter 10, verse 39, it says that Martha was distracted Or she was anxious. She had a divided mind between spending time with Jesus and spending time preparing for for the meal. Um, The following are some examples when when proper concern becomes anxiety and and therefore becomes sinful. So, for example, thoughts are focused on changing the future. Um, I mean, where should our thoughts be focused? Well, we we can't do anything about the future. We really need to be thinking about the here and now, the present, and, and taking responsibility for things today. Um, another one is when thoughts become unproductive or, or when it controls us instead of we controlling it. Um, proper concern becomes anxiety when it causes us to neglect other responsibilities and, and relationships. <clears throat> it, it can cause damage to our bodies. So you know, say, well, what kind of damage are we, are we talking about? How does worries cause damage? Well, you know, when we have high levels of, of stress or, or distress, it can cause stomach problems, it can cause heart issues, headaches, sleeplessness, weight gain, weight loss, and, and such things. Um, we can lose hope instead of finding answers when we, we have too much anxiety, and, and also we may even stop functioning as we ought. So, so why is it then, why is it that we, that we worry, that we have anxiety? We well, you know, feeling, in, in, in a general sense, can be defined as as a complex reflexes responding to stimuli that has meaning for individuals based on the person's interpretation of the circumstance. Let me say that again. Feelings in a general sense can be defined as complex reflexes responding to stimuli that has meaning for the individual based on the person's interpretation of the circumstance. Now, Now did you catch that? It says we feel the way we do, not because of the circumstance, but because of our interpretation of the circumstance. And that interpretation is determined by what's going on in our hearts. What is most important to us? So our interpretation of the circumstance is determined by what we value. And it's impacted by what our expectations are. So so when it comes to anxiety, we have anxiety about things that we value. Anxiety is caused by fear, not of receiving what we're, we're fearful that we're not going to receive what we want, or we think we're, we're not going to get what we think we can't live without. You know, I don't, I don't have anxiety about something that I don't care about. I don't have anxiety about something that isn't important to me. You know, for example, take the health of, of my parents. Both of my parents are, are getting older. You know, I, I have anxiety about the health of my parents, and I'm concerned but I don't necessarily have, I don't wish ill will for your parents, but I don't necessarily have anxiety about your parents. Why? It's because I, I value, I have a higher value for, for my parents than I would for, for others when it comes to health issues. I mean, think about Paul when he wrote this command in, in Ephesians 4 about, or Philippians 4 about not being anxious. He's, he's writing from a Roman prison and he wasn't sure if he was going to live or if he was going to die. In Philippians 1.20, Paul says this. He says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul could easily have been a man of worry and anxiety. But but according to this verse, Paul was trusting God for courage. His expectation was that God would give him the courage he needed so that no matter what happened to him, he might respond in, a, in, in the right way. He went respond so that Christ would be exalted. I mean, think about all the traumas that Paul experienced as a result of his ministry. In, in 2 Corinthians 11, 23-27, Paul recounts some of the hardships he experienced in ministry. He says, I've worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely. and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. And, and the reason he says it that way is thirty-nine lashes. Forty was considered the death sentence, so they they backed it off just one, so that they they weren't trying to kill him supposedly. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. That almost sounds like Dr. Seuss, doesn't it? He says, I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I've been cold and naked. And, and, and after all those experiences, how is it then that Paul can tell us, don't be anxious about anything? It wasn't because he didn't have traumatic experiences in his life. Remember I said, our emotions are not due just to our circumstances, but to our interpretation of those circumstances. The interpretation of our circumstances is, is what determines what is determined by what we value most. I mean, if you want something so badly and you don't think you can live without it, then you are definitely going to have anxiety if you don't think you're not going to get it. But I want you to notice. Notice what Paul says he values most. In the next verse, in Philippians 1, 21, Paul says, For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Paul can live a life free of anxiety, but he can't lose what he values most. For him to live is Christ. Christ was the one he valued most. Christ was the one he was living for, and as a result, he interpreted his his circumstances through the grid of serving Jesus Christ. Christ was the one who defined him. Christ was the one who gave him value and was the measure he used to interpret his circumstances. So why is it then that we worry or have anxiety? It's not just because bad things are going to happen. I mean, if that was the case, Paul would have been in knots. It was because we're valuing something other than God or we're desiring a good thing more than we're desiring God. It's because we're afraid we're not going to get what we want or we're going to get what we don't want. Anxiety causes us to get our eyes off of the Lord and onto things that we think we can't live without. Let me say that again. Anxiety causes us to get our eyes off of the Lord and onto the things we think we can't live without. So if my eyes are on the stock market and my wealth is my security, then when its stock market takes a hit like it has this past week, I am going to experience tremendous anxiety. You know, I recently um, finished a master's degree, and one of the things I had to do at the end of the of my degree was an oral defense of a case study, and that created anxiety in my life. I I struggled with some some, some sleep. Um, why? Because I didn't want to cro- come across as incompetent. I I wanted to finish well. I I was allowing my performance to be the thing that defined me. So, with that being said, then we want to we want to talk about what is the antidote to anxiety. What's the antidote? So, I hopefully you have your Bibles in your Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to begin reading in verse 4, Philippians 4, 4. Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, pre- present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. The first thing we notice in in this passage, um, in verse 4, it talks about right rejoicing. Notice before Paul gives us the command to not be anxious in verse 6, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. He's he's not telling us to just act like hard circumstances are easy. He's not telling us, you know, hey, don't worry, be happy is the popular song. Paul is not telling us to, to rejoice in circumstances. He's telling us to rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in our relationship with Christ. Because of our relationship with Christ, we always have something that we can rejoice in. If we got what we deserved, we would be filled with anxiety and fear. But in Christ, we don't get what we deserve. We get what we don't deserve. I mean, we deserve, we deserve punishment and separation from God forever in hell because of our sin, because of our rebellion against God. But for all who have placed their trust in Jesus Christ, His death has been applied to our account. I mean, what I mean is that Christ took our place on the cross. He took the punishment we deserve so that we can be completely forgiven. We can be given a new status as a child of God. We now have the righteousness of God put to our account so that now we have hope for eternal life and right now. I mean, that radically changed Paul's values and motives. And that radically changed Paul's purpose for living. Before he was working really, really hard to try to be good, to be accepted by God. But now in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15, Paul says that it's Christ's love that compels him. It's that, that thing that motivates him. He no longer lives for himself, but he lives for Christ who died for him and was raised again. So i could got to ask the question, what are you rejoicing in? What are you most devoted to? What, what are you living for? What, what is the value that controls how you interpret the circumstances of your life? What are you looking to for security or, or, or fulfillment or protection or, or contentment or worth? I mean, is, is it your kids or your job or your intelligence, your acceptance by others, your, your athletic ability, your, your marriage, your money in the bank? Your anxiety will begin to fade only as you allow God to be the one who defines you and you live for him alone. You know, there's a difference between possessing uh, peace with God and experience the peace of God. You will never experience the peace of God without first possessing peace with God. And Paul says it this way in Romans 5.1. He says, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So this gives, alone gives us so much that we can rejoice in. So antidote number one is right rejoicing. Rejoicing in the Lord. Antidote number two is found in verse six, and it's right praying. Paul then commands us not to be anxious about anything. Instead, we're to pray about everything. I mean, notice the completeness or the, the comprehensiveness of those words of anything and, and everything. I mean, there's not much wiggle room in there. It's not like it's okay for us to pray about the, the little things, but then it's okay for us to worry about the, the, the major things. So It's not okay for us to pray about the, the big things that really matter to us the most and to not pray about other things. No, Paul, God is telling us through Paul that God wants us to constantly be talking to him about what's on our hearts. He commands us not to be anxious. And so when we find our, our hearts anxious, we need to confess that to God as, as sin and, and ask for His, his help and, and, and for His forgiveness. I mean, what does it say about God when He tells us not to be anxious and we pray, but yet we're anxious about it anyway? It would be like my, my backpacking buddy after he emptied out his backpack of all the rocks, if the next day he put them all back in his backpack before he started hiking again. Martin Luther says, says we need to pray and let God, quote-unquote, Worry about it. I, I, I've heard it said this way. Let, let's say that you're on your way to a restaurant for lunch, and, and on the way, you're, you're on, the, on your way to, with a friend, and, and on your way, you realize that you forgot your, your, your wallet or your purse. And so you tell your friend, hey, I, I forgot this, and they say, oh, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. And then when the bill comes for the, for the meal, your friend looks at you and says, well, I guess you're going to have to go in the back and do some dishes. I mean, what would you think of a friend who says to you, hey, don't worry? But then isn't willing to help you with your need, even though they could. But you realize God, God isn't like that. I mean, if God told you to talk to him about it and not to be anxious, don't you think he's going to do something about it as well? I mean, Romans 8:32, amazing verse. It says this: He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? I mean, think about it. If God took care of the greatest need that we had, that's victory over sin and death, then why would we think he wouldn't care for other needs in our lives? In, in Luke 12, 32, Luke says it this way about worry. He says, don't be afraid. Don't worry, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. I mean, Luke is arguing here from the greater to the lesser. He says, if God has given you the kingdom, don't you think he's going to take care of these lesser things? I mean, notice right in the middle Of uh, verse 6, Paul says to pray with thanksgiving as we present our requests to God. It doesn't say pray with thanksgiving when God answers your prayers and that way you get what you want. He, He says we need to pray with thanksgiving even though we're still in the midst of the situation. I mean, why did Paul add that admonition for us to pray with thanksgiving right in the middle of the verse? Well, by praying with thanksgiving, we're acknowledging our trust in God regardless of how He answers our prayers. It reminds us again that He's God, that He cares for us. I mean, thankfulness focuses our attention off of our problems and onto God's provision. God may change the circumstance, or He might change us through the circumstance, but either way we can trust that God is in control and that He cares for us. 1 Peter 5.7 says it this way, Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for for You you know, it's really hard to give God thanks if you don't trust Him. Thanksgiving helps to remind us that God still sits on the throne, that He is more than worthy of our praise even when we don't fully know what is going to happen. And so if we pray and wait to give thanks, we won't experience contempt and peace. But if we pray and give thanks, we can experience that peace. Notice the promise that Paul gives then in verse 7. He says, As we cast our anxieties on God with a thankful heart, he says, the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He describes this peace like a guard. He says it's like a, like a group of soldiers who've surrounded you to protect you. I mean, if you have concerns that you're going to be attacked by somebody, but you know you're surrounded by a platoon of soldiers, don't you feel like, think you'd feel safe? Don't, don't you think you'd be able to experience peace and, and get some sleep? That's how, that's how Paul describes our anxieties, anxious thoughts when we give them over to God. Peace is trusting God and being content in God because you know that He cares for you and because you know He's in control. Peace is the opposite of anxiety. So the antidote to anxiety, rejoice, right? Rejoicing in the Lord, right? Right, praying with thanksgiving. And that leads us then to to the next one. And that's right thinking. Notice in verse 8, the only way to overcome anxiety is to control your thinking. I mean, some people say that they they don't know how to meditate. When the reality is that people who worry, they, they, people who are anxious, they're meditating all the time. They're doing it all the time. They're, they're continually thinking repeatedly over and over about all those things that are bothering them. And that's exactly what meditation is. It's to think about something over and over in your mind. You know, when a secular person lacks peace, what does the world tell them to do? Well, secular books on peace often teach techniques to distract them from thinking. Instead of thinking deeply, as Paul was suggesting, they're told to not think. You know, so they're told, hey, go to, an, go to a movie, put, put some music on, try some deep breathing exercises, go, turn on online gaming, try, try social media. And, and unfortunately, sometimes people turn to drugs or alcohol, so they don't have to think about their problems, they don't have to think about life. Unfortunately, none of these techniques will ultimately bring them peace. And Paul is telling us instead of not thinking, he says, I want you to think. As Christians, if we are anxious, we need to think more deeply about God and what we believe to be true about Him. In Matthew 6, um, this is a kind of a, a parallel passage to what we have here in, in Philippians, Jesus is teaching the disciples about worry, and He tells them to think. He, says, he tells them, consider the lilies of the field, how beautifully they're dressed. He, he tells them, look at the birds and consider how God provides to them. We worry because we, believe, we don't believe that God will take care of us. We need to think about what we believe about God. You remember in, in Joshua chapter 1, Moses is, is off the scene. Now Joshua has just been commissioned to be the new commander, to be the new leader. He's going to take the people in into the promised land, and they're going to conquer the Canaanites, but they're going to deal with warfare. I mean, do you think that that had the potential of anxiety for Joshua? I think absolutely. And I think that's why God commands Joshua. And in chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, he says, Keep this book of the law always on your lips meditate on it day and night, so that you might be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God be with you wherever you go. I mean, God is telling Joshua not to be terrified. He doesn't need to be afraid. He tells him that the key is going to be what does he dwell on? What does he meditate on? What is it he puts into his head? God tells him to meditate on God's word and to never forget that God will be with him. And you know, that's true for you and me as well. We don't need to be terrified because we know that God is with us. Notice in in, in chapter 4, verse 5 of Philippians, before Paul gives the command to not be anxious, look what he says. It says there in verse 5, it says, the Lord is near. God is with you. You know, sometimes that doesn't do it for us because we've we've forgotten who God is. And so, what does God Paul tell tell us to think about? Well, verse 8, he says, he tells us what we should think about. He says to think about whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure. And I believe that what what Paul's doing here, he's got the character of God in mind. You know, one commentator has said it this way when he reads this list of what Paul tells us to meditate in. He says, that's a description of Jesus Christ himself. Notice the second set of qualities Paul tells us to think about. Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Paul is describing that which really grabs a hold of of his own heart. I mean, what is it that you love? What is it that you admire? What is it that you talk about and you shout praise about? See, it's not enough for us just to think about right things. We also need to love the right things. And, And often the things that we love the most are the things that we think about the most. The reality is that whatever I love has control over me. So if if I love the acceptance of people, then people are going to have an amazing power over me, and I'm going to spend a lot of time thinking about what I need to do to be accepted by people. But just like every misplaced love, it controls us, and ultimately, it will bring us fear and pain instead of peace and contentment. I mean, after all, how many people do I need to be rejected by before I don't feel so good about myself? And so I want to suggest to you That there there, there are many things in our world that are lovely and admirable and praiseworthy. But if they don't drive us back to God as the one who's the source of those things, then you aren't loving the right thing. And ultimately, those things will control you. Paul is saying that we can have peace in our hearts when we are secure in his love for us. And we are in love with him. I believe that these virtues, for them to impact our thinking, that we need to think of them in more than just the abstract, but we need to think of them in the person. These qualities describe Christ. I mean, think about, about Christ and the cross. I mean, aren't those things lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy? I mean, think about the good news of the gospel. We are wicked, we're sinful, and we're depraved, and yet Christ, He's perfect, He's holy, He's righteous in every way, and yet Christ allowed Himself to be spit upon, to be, to be taunted, to be rejected, beaten, and killed, so that you and I could be accepted and, and healed and forgiven and experience life. Christ, who is rich, became poor so that you and I could become rich. Christ took my sin in exchange, he gave me his righteousness. It's not enough just to know these truths. It's, it's not enough just to know about God. No, we have to come to truly know who he is. And as we spend time in God's Word and allow the Holy Spirit to teach us, we can grow in our knowledge. Christianity is all about having a relationship with the God of the universe. It's not just about following a list of abstract precepts. You can have peace with God as you trust your life to the Prince of Peace. He is the person who has proved how much he loves you. Will you let him? Will you let his love overwhelm you? Paul said that this peace of God transcends our understandings. It goes beyond what we even, even can understand. When you do that, I believe that God that you'll be motivated to dwell on Christ and these virtues that Paul is talking about will impact your life. So I want you to notice this progression then in this passage. And in verse 4, he instructs us to have right, right rejoicing. In verse 6, he says, have right praying. In verse 8, he says, have right thinking. And then in verse 9, he instructs us to have right actions. We, we need to put that knowledge into practice. I mean, that's what biblical faith is. It's knowing the truth, believing what God has said, and then putting it into practice in our lives. And the result of that is it says in scripture here, we will experience peace. Not only will we experience peace, but the God of peace promises that he will be with us. Often when we're experiencing anxiety, we, we feel all alone. We, we feel like no one cares or understands but Paul is reassuring us here that our God is not only one who understands he is only he is more able and he is worthy of our hearts and our minds and our and our lives and so so conclusion then Jesus promised that in this life we would have trouble and we do have trouble but God doesn't want us to be anxious about those troubles we have learned that the antidote to anxiety is, is right rejoicing What we value impacts how we interpret the circumstances of our lives. I mean, do you value God more than anything or anyone else? Or or does something else have a hold of your life? Does something else have a hold of of your heart? Right, praying. We need to learn to trust God and give Him thanks even when we may not understand. God has given us prayer as an avenue for us to be able to talk to Him about whatever concerns us. Will you pray and, and thank God? as an act of faith in Him? Right thinking to overcome anxiety. It's important what we're allowing to occupy our minds. I mean, typically, the things that you love the most will be the thing that occupies your mind. We need to allow God's Word, His promises, reminders of how much God loves us and how powerful He is. We need to allow those to be the things that fill our minds. So what are you allowing to fill your minds today? Will you take those anxious thoughts captive and replace them with, with truth about who God is and, and the promises of God and the Word of God? And then lastly is right actions. I mean, to truly experience peace, that's not enough to know the truth, but we need to put it into practice. We, we need to worship. We, we need to pray. We need to focus our thoughts on God. And as we do, then we will experience peace. Will you put these practices in, in, in action, in, in faith, in, into your life? I mean, I believe that the order of what Paul has given us is important. Right rejoicing, right praying, right thinking, right actions leads to peace. We don't feel our way into these right practices. These right practices lead us to feel right. In other words, we can then experience the peace of God. Will you join me in in praying? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that these words that were written more than 2,000 years ago are so relevant even for us today. God, I pray that, that you would help each one who's, who's listening today. Lord, I, I pray that you would help them to, to know how they can apply the, these truths to, in their lives. Lord, I pray that, that you would help us to do that, Lord, so that we would be people that, that are, aren't anxious, but people that are trusting in you. Thank you, Father, that, that we, we can know you. And, and Lord, these truths can permeate our, our hearts and our minds. And I pray, Father, that the thing that we would value more than anything, even as Paul did, is that we would value you, that that you would be our lives. And all of these other things would would be put into their proper perspective in our lives. And so, Lord, I pray today, help us. Help us to be people that that have a confidence in you because we know that you love us and that you care about us and that we can cast our cares upon you. And, Lord, that you will do what needs to be done. Uh, Lord, we we just thank you for this time. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We began this message by... um, by acknowledging that, that these are anxious days and, um, man, that our culture is tremendously anxious. Will you purpose that you aren't going to just keep these truths to yourselves, but uh, be willing to share them with, with other people? I mean, the world's answer to, to peace or to try to get peace of distraction and not thinking about it, it doesn't work. I mean, will you share with others how they can truly find peace with God so they can experience the peace of God? I mean, our God is rescued from from the grip of a pandemic called sin. Surely he can rescue you and me and our neighbors from the coronavirus pandemic. Thank you and God bless. So thanks for being a part of our
0: online worship experience this morning. We hope it was an encouragement for you. Don't lose us now. Stay with us online. Not only for devotionals coming up, not only for our cooperative video with another local ministry, but also check out our Right Now Media on our website where you can have great resources for yourself and your kiddos, which I think will be great. In addition to that, um, we wanna encourage you to remember to think about us with your giving. We give not to a church service, but we give to a mission. And we're still giving to our missionaries, we're still giving to Uh, support our mission in this region to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. So some instructions will come up online where you can cooperate with us and continue to support our ministry with your giving. And lastly, I just wanna encourage us, let's be the church. We don't have to meet in a building to be the church. The church can't be stopped. And Jesus said that The gates of hell will not be able to hold the church back. And here's our opportunity, friends. Let's make a difference in our community. Let's be the church. Be careful, be caring, but don't be anxious for anything. God's got this. Can I pray with you as we finish? Father, I just wanna pray for your blessing and your care on our church family. I pray for the most vulnerable people amongst us. I pray for our older folks. And those that are dear to our heart, I pray that you would protect them, protect their health. I pray that they would not feel alone through these times, but may we as a church reach out to them. May they feel loved. I pray that not only would you keep our church connected, but would you make us a force in our community to make a difference. May we advance and care for our neighbors, our coworkers, those that you put us in contact with. May we not hoard our resources. God, may we not isolate ourselves, but may we be the church to our community here in this area. And God, most of all, may our world see that we are anxious for nothing, but we have confidence in the God of the universe. God, we love you. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless.